Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I don't have a central uh, concept as a starting point. Um, I believe there's something central um, underneath what I'm about to give you, but I don't know what is underneath it. So let me just tell you the words or the concepts that I do have on me and um, on a consciousness to talk about. Social, antisocial, intimacy, and superiority. Social, antisocial, intimacy, superiority. And I think, I think trauma is in some of that most of that I don't think it's all of it but I think trauma is located underneath that so if you want to throw in trauma as the fifth word and so um, I my last reflection with you all was the amoeba map and I think I did that one for you on Tuesday some some conflicting feelings about that reflection I'll possibly share some of that with you on the other side of the, the disclaimers but um, um, so some of what I want to talk about today well I'm pretty sure I'll connect to that previous reflection anyway um, this week it was a short work week and um, there were a few things that came up that made me aware of the social world the social world, my awareness of the social world, and my relationship to it. So there were a few things that popped up. And then I became conscious about me in the Enneagram being what's called the antisocial or the social antisocial. Based on the Enneagram, my type, my subtype, I, I'm, I have an antisocial type. I think INTJs also could be considered antisocial, but in the Enneagram, in the in the Enneagram, as an eight, I'm considered an antisocial. However, my subtype makes me social, but it doesn't make me really social. It just makes me a social antisocial. So I thought about I thought about that this week, and then I began to think about my. Uh, where I'm at in, in life right now in terms of, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I don't know. There's a lot inside of me. I don't really know. I don't know. It's, but this trajectory feels important. So then I started thinking about my relationship to myself, my familial relationships, obviously, because of the amoeba map, the amoeba map episode I talked about family. But I've also been talking about work. So it makes me think about work. Makes me think. Makes me think about romance. Um, I'm back, back trying to do the dating online. <laughs> I get bored, y'all. Y'all know I go in and out of that. And had a few conversations more than I've had in the past. So I was like, oh, this is good. And it fizzles out. And I know that I'm a part of that fizzling out. I know that. And so. Um, so that's interesting to me. And then um, yesterday was another family event that, man, I want to 
I want to I want to process that event as a silo. But I have our I have to also connect it to the previous family event from the week ago. <laughs> and then this morning I listened to some content on into um, intimacy because it was a conversation I had yesterday with somebody about intimacy and I listened to some audio about intimacy. So anyway, there's a lot of event. There are a lot of events that I could process. I'm going to go over five minutes, y'all, setting this up. But I'm going to give you the abridged version. If you are new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ and I also identify as an African-American woman. This project is unedited. It is unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Boom, I did it. <laughs> Five minutes. All right. I knew that was going to happen because I wanted to tell you all um, this reflection I'm getting ready to try to do with you all really, really could be two to three separate reflections because since I last was with you on Tuesday, I've been in some real distinct bubbles in terms of my consciousness. And I want to both process that with you separately, but I am not. I'm not in those bubbles as isolated bubbles anymore. When I'm in it, it's isolated. And all I'm thinking about is that particular bubble. But where I'm at today, which is a Sunday, y'all, those bubbles have started to merge and integrate into some new thought, a new bubble. And um, so I was hoping to kind of give you the trajectory in the intro. But anyway, I did it. There was an abridged version of it. It is fine. Okay. Let me give you a little housekeeping. Um, I'm in my car. Guys, you know, I told you that I'm going to my car to have a little privacy. But I don't even know um, the real privacy because I I suspect that these um, uh, people have access to some technology. And I know it. I know. I know. I haven't really gotten into. I haven't gone into the details of this yet just because of the level of it. But I believe there's this is there's some technology access, so I don't fully believe I have. I don't know if I have full in, uh, privacy, but it sure as hell feels better to be away from that space. And I am going to process that um, with you when when I feel like the time is right. All right, but it is fascin it is fascinating and exhausting. Um, and I, I, I vacillate between being exhausted in that situation and also fascinated by it because there's a lot of learning, um, located in, uh, the situation and not just learning about the, um, individuals that I haven't processed with you, but learning about me, uh, there's some learning that I'm doing about myself as relating to, this experience and I, I'm gonna and I've poked this periodically and if you've been following this project for the full life of it you should be curious about another situation that this links to so that's one of the reasons why I want to wait because when I come back and I talk about this it's going to be um, I'd like to have a more macro analysis beyond this immediate local situation I think it's I think it speaks to something bigger and I want to be able to talk about that. So anyway, I'm in my car and I'm not in the, I'm in my favorite place. I'm looking at water and, but there are a lot of people out. And so I don't have my dogs with me. So 
I'm cheating on them, y'all. And they're not with me so that you don't I don't have to worry about barking. But we are gonna hear horns and kids and, and all of that. And then you're gonna hear my me roll the window up and down because I'm gonna sit in the car, try to block up the noise, and then I'm gonna get hot and I roll the window down and then the noise and so it's just gonna be that. Alright. <laughs> so okay. Um Okay, where do I wanna start? I have I do have a piece of paper in front of me, y'all. You know, on a piece of paper, um, I have two pieces of paper. One is about this reflection. Like I have, so I have number one, social. And then underneath that, I have social experience, social training, social wiring. And then number two, I have intimacy. And, in, and underneath that, I have antisocial superiority and trauma. Then I have number three and I have question marks. I don't know what that's about. I just, I felt like there was another, another thing to say. But when I went to write it, I was like, I don't know. So I put two question marks there. And then number four, I have family, um, I got a lot of like gibberish written around it. I don't think it's relevant to even try to figure out my handwriting. That's number four. Number five. Uh, must deal with the social part of my antisocial experience. And I think that's relevant. So that was me trying to think about how was I going to make sense of this um, social, antisocial, intimacy, spiritual, spirit, excuse me, social, antisocial, intimacy, and superiority phenomenon. Like these, that's what I was feeling inside of me. So I wrote that down. And this morning, as I was getting ready to get in my, you know, come to you, to leave my house and come to you all, I was listening to some YouTube content, and uh, his name is Patrick, I think he's a therapist, and I have referenced him several times, but not a lot. He is phenomenal. He's really good. If you are interested in studying family trauma and childhood trauma, particularly as it relates to the the adult now that you know the adult that has had childhood trauma he's somebody that you really do need to check out so the content that I listened to from him this morning I don't even know what the title of it was I will tell you I listened to it twice and I'm going to put that on repeat there was a lot that was stirring for me that I was like oh my god you know when you come in a come from a situation Oh, so one of the things he said, and I, I'm going to slip into a rabbit hole, I can feel it. One of the things that he said is that um, when you're a child, you don't know the difference. You don't know the difference between reality and trauma. He, he may have said drama. He may have said drama. I sometimes use those words interchangeably. You don't know the difference between reality and drama so that drama is real to you but he's basically this video is about learning that there is a drama to it so there's what's called the drama triangle and I've heard of this before and in the drama triangle there are three roles and I may have talked to you guys about this before I always tell you all check out the episodes that I do around Christmas time in December or May those are the times I'm usually traveling with family. 
And as a result, all of this stuff comes up for me. And then I have to, I've got to make sense of what's coming up for me. And that's when I start researching. And that's when I share with you all. Okay. So if you, I don't know what those episodes are, but I can guarantee you that if you check out episodes around May and December, those are when, um, those are two time periods that I'm with family, pretty consistent. And then something consistently there's an emotional experience and then with that emotions those emotions I have to learn and study just how I make sense that's how I make myself feel better and then because this project exists I output that with you all but um so I think I've talked about this before but the the drama triangle um consists of three characters the victim the persecutor and the rescuer and in that, those three, which which is really, really healthy to know this, that those three characters um, rotate actors. So I like to think about this as both actors and characters. We don't, we have to be very careful. A character, this is kind of what I've understood about family systems theory particularly family uh, toxic families there is a character that has to be played out in the system and that system chooses the actor for the character but the the character has to exist the character is going to exist no matter what this is why you have literature that explains it across different families across time periods across context because the characters of toxic families are the same you have different actors but the same characters i just really hope to emphasize that so within that so you can have in one family one actor playing the role of a character consistently and or what this guy is saying you can have different actors playing the role of a character for different reasons. Now, you guys have heard me talk about my own journey of a really coming to terms with, hmm, so you other characters we've heard about scapegoat, the scapegoat, the flying monkey, the golden child, right? Those are other characters. Usually those characters situate around a narcissistic parent so that's more those are the characters in a narcissistic family structure so i've talked about those two so you've heard me process me being both a golden child and a scapegoat i've never been the flying monkey i gotta i don't think i have but if somebody comes to me and would make an argument about it i'd be curious i'd listen but I had to really come to terms with, I have been used as the golden child. It was hard for me to recognize that because I experienced, I am more consciousness around being the scapegoat. But I had, I had to acknowledge that there was a window of time, maybe two periods that I was used as the golden child by a different So I come from a, like, I have this different kind of, mm, a lot of families that are marginalized, um, not marginalized families, but a lot of 
people who are in the margins have a very similar family structure where our extended families are like our nuclear family. So you have the nucleus, new nuclear family that's pretty traditional, two parents and the, 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 the offspring. But an extended family, that's where you have the grandparents, the cousins, the aunts, right? Well, a lot of times that extended family is more like your local and immediate family. It's not like, oh, we're going to go. At it. Those people aren't extended in terms of far away. They're in the house. They're in the house and they're, you have a day-to-day relationship with them as you do your, nu- your nuclear, nucleus family. Is it nuclear or nucleus? Nucleus. I think it's nucleus, y'all. Forgive me when I mess up my words. <laughs> Just pray for me. Anyway, so that was hard. That was that was something I had to contend with because I had a couple of. Um, that's a handsome man. Sorry, y'all. I got distracted. Oh, he's handsome, and he's. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> okay, I never do that. I never do that. So I'm just laughing. I think what's really funny about it, because I think this man caught me looking at him. And I'm talking to you all, but you know, I told you I'm in a place where I can see people. And he gets out the car and he's strutting. He thinks he's looking fine. He is a handsome man. But I'm laughing because I both noticed that, because I don't don't usually do that. And then, too, that he noticed me noticing him. So that's funny. Okay, let's get back. (laughs) Unedited, unscripted. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I think the, um, I think what I was trying to do, I think, I think it was hard for me to contend with being, okay, here's what happened. I had some family members that were responding to me and they were very angry with me and I couldn't understand it. And I was like, yo, I understand the the pain you feel and the harm that you talked about experiencing. I want to validate it. I, I want to affirm you, you were harmed, but I need you to know I'm, you're situating me as one of the people who harmed you. I'm, I was harmed too. And in both of those situations, they, those individuals could not see me as being harmed. They saw me as being the harmer, if you will. What's interesting about both of them, but especially one, because Every time she would talk about the harm, she would always talk about somebody else. And I'm like, but she couldn't see the fact that it was the other person who harmed them. And I'm not, I'm not here to talk about the other person harming them because I, and here's probably the problem. And maybe here's the problem because the person that this person is on record as saying harmed them, I'm deeply fond of that person. So is that me being the flying monkey? Oh my God, I'm having a, an interesting breakthrough. But, but oh my God, I gotta. I'm gonna process that because the flying monkey is a person that kind of um allows, kind of allows that uh, abuse to happen. Kind of um protects the abuser. And um, oh, here I'm gonna defend myself just a little bit, but I am really um. Part of me wants to stop the recording and and really go inward and really process this because this is something that's just coming out of my coming out of me right now. I've never processed it. the me being the flying monkey, which is interesting because when I started, I was like, I don't think I'm the flying monkey, but if somebody you could put it in front of me, and now I'm looking at the possibility. But here's to my defense: the stories that this person 
tells about that other individual that harms them, the, the individual that I have a fondness for. The stories are about us being children, about us being kids. So I didn't have any power to harm her in the way that this person feels harmed. This adult that this person feels harmed by had the power. And I'm not even in a situation where I'm saying that I don't even say that person didn't harm you. What I have said is that story that you told, because this story, this one of the, the stories that's on repeat is that um, I was chosen over this person. This person that was harmed because I was used to harm this. Okay. This is some triangulation. So we're going to say person A used me as person B to harm person C. Now this is what this person's, this is what person C's story is. Person C is saying, I was hurt. Person A continued to choose you over me. Person A made me the bad person and made you the good person. And when that person tells, when person C tells me that story, I get it. I, I don't get it and say, I don't say, yes, person A did this to you. Well, I, I do it a little bit. This is where it gets a little comp, it gets a little complicated. And this is not what I plan to talk about, but clearly this is what's coming out of my mouth. I can affirm, let me give an example. Per, I'm person B and person C, we're kids. We're two years apart. We're kids. We get into a disagreement. Person A tells person C, you've got to go home. We both are in that person's house, person's A house. We both have our own homes. Theoretic, kind of. So I can go to my my home in my mom's house and then my um, person C can go home to her mom's house because person A is not, not our mom. Now person A has a relationship with me, familial relationship with me and that person C, but they're different. It's a different family type, like a cousin or aunt or grandmother, you know, grandpa. I will say that all three of these women are women. Person A is a woman. So anyway, person A, when, when, when B and C, when I would get in, um, when, when, you know, as kids, we got into conflict, person A would say to person C, you've got to go home. That was hurtful as a kid for person C. Person C didn't understand why she had to go home and I didn't have to go home. I get that. So as adults, and when I'm saying as adults, I'm talking about 40s and 50s talking about this. I'm trying to tell person C, I get that. Yes, that was hurtful. I totally understand why you felt bad. And I'm going to tell you, I do remember. I do remember person A telling you, you have to go home. I get that. So in some ways, I I affirm person C. Yeah, you did have to go home. Yeah, that was hurtful. Yeah, that does seem odd. Why didn't I have to go home? Now, if you tell somebody else a story in the family, what they're going to say is, and this is partially true, that person A 
was more of a caregiver for me than they were for person C. And that could be contested, but person A had more power over me, probably, than over person C. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That would be, I don't know. So anyway, it could be argued that the reason why person C had to go home and I didn't have to go home is because person A was doing more caretaking of me than of C. But that could be contested. So that's an example. So that, let me just, because I can stay there, but I'm going to leave that because I've got a number of stories like that that person C has that are, in my opinion, valid. They're valid, painful points. What's not valid is to say I'm the bad guy. That she has conflict with me because of somebody else's choosing. Somebody else's choosing. But what I had to come to terms with is I had that that positioned me as the golden child in those situations as the person that was the chosen one. And I know what it's like to be not the golden child. You know, I've been around the golden child. And it's just an interesting thing. And I have a relationship with the golden child. My sister, I'll just go ahead and say that. My sister has been the golden child and in this family um, illness. She's resurrected. That whole golden child has been resurrected and it is live and in color. And, and I'm thinking about what causes these characters to manifest. And I think it's stress related. I mean, it's, you know, it's stress related. So I'm currently in a situation where I'm now in a relationship with the golden, my sister. She not, never has been purely part of her as a golden child, but the manifestation of her as a golden child that we, that I've been experiencing in the past four or five months it's like when I was a child it's big it's like drama it's like main character um and so um my sister and I to this point and I'm gonna hold on to this we've been doing really really well uh we've we've had a couple of really meaningful conversations just to stay on top of it and um, we just had a really good conversation within the last week. I don't know if I told you guys about it because I have been removing myself from the environment. And I'm like, got to go. Where you would think I would stick around because this is a serious situation, this illness. And I want to be helpful and I want to I want to love on the person. But when that those characters are enacted I started this journey by saying dual care I'm going to care for another person but I'm also going to care for myself that's a commitment I made to my a vow that I made to myself it's not always an easy one but I'm doing that and so I have removed myself then the my sister has the golden child she gets a phone call why is you know 
your sister is leaving your sister your sister's upset and and uh and my my sister and I have had a, a couple of conversations about it and what I've told her is that I'm doing self-care no it doesn't feel good I'm not going to deny that it doesn't feel good it hurts but it guess what it hurts less when I leave <laughs> you know what I mean it is hurtful I leave the situation I come to my own house and I take care of me in that that's my responsibility no one is going to swoop in and save me now this is years and years and years of suffering and learning and suffering and learning and all that for me to say this to have the wisdom the presence of mind to say two things this is hurtful that's valid you're this feels hurtful because there's some gaslighting that has happened in the past too. There's a gas. There's a gaslighting phenomenon that happens in this kind of situation. A person feels hurt. Oh, you're not hurt. You're not. That's on. That's on you. And that has happened to person C that I'm telling you about. So when person C has come forward and has cried and has sobbed and told her story, the family. There are people in the family that have discredited that. In a number of artful ways. There's, oh, there are a couple other family members that have cried and said that they've been harmed emotionally. These are, this isn't physical harm or sexual harm to my knowledge. This is emotional harm, psychological harm, which is really the hardest because it's invisible. It's a hard thing to talk about emotional and verbal, um, excuse me, emotional abuse, psychological abuse is very difficult. You guys, I'm going to have to do this in two parts because I'm clearly in something. But that's okay. Um, we'll roll the window down. Um, that window is going to come up in a minute because I can hear music and, and all of that. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I don't know where I left off, but I will say this. The difference between person C and myself person, as person B, if you will, there are several differences. Number one, um, I'm, I'm talking about now I'm grown. I'm a grown ass woman, right? So at 52, when that golden child character is resurrected against me, because that's the golden... These characters are all relational. They mean nothing in the absence of a social context. This is why I started off when I said social, antisocial. What did I say? Social, antisocial, intimacy, superiority, superiority. Okay. You cannot be superior if no one is around. You just can't. Hold on. Mr. Delicious Man is walking. <laughs> He's walking back to his car, strutting in front of me right now. <laughs> well, he just ruined it for me. He um, he's wearing his pants where you can see his underwear. I find that extremely unattractive. I, I I'm okay. You know, I don't shame men when they want to wear their pants like that because I hate when we do that because that's a person's agency to choose stylistically how they want to represent themselves as that's his prerogative but I don't find it attractive and then he started smoking I think the pants would be a bigger deal breaker than the smoking 
But anyway, <laughs> that's a little commercial break. I bet you guys are like, listen, lady, get focused. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what I'm going to say. Unedited, it's unscripted. Okay, moving back. So, um, right now, I am, you know, I'm an adult that, you know, when this was, this, when that's that, oh, I know what I'm saying. When that golden child character is resurrected, it is a form of trying to establish some superiority, um, it's a, like a ranking system. And in order to have a high, you got to have a low. There is no high without a low. Just like in economics, there is no rich without poor. Because it's relative. It's relational. I hate when people park their car right next to me. You got other spots. Why are you right next to me? Anyway. Um, so when this golden child character is resurrected, I can respond to that differently now because I'm 52 years old. Person C was a kid. So I'm not, I don't want to say, hey, you know. And the other difference between the two of us, B, person B as myself and person C is, this is my training. I have a, I have a, I have a tra- I'm trained to be able to see it. I'm trained to be able to say these are some solutions. And I'm trained on what is called self-regulation. So when we're working with kids and they're what's called dysregulated, we have to help regulate the child. And one of the things that we do with kids, and especially as they get older, is we teach them how to regulate themselves. You, and this is what I get annoyed with adults doing this work, because if you want to talk to kids about being self-regulated, are you self-regulated? Okay, so that's me. Like, that's me. The benefits of my occupation is saying, okay, this situation is triggering me. I feel myself getting to get dysregulated. Let me move. Let me do some things I need to do to regulate myself. I'm going to get my butt up and leave and go home. So that's what happened. And so um, I don't even know how I started this conversation about, um, oh, I think what I was trying to, oh, that's what it was. I was trying to say that these three characters, victim, persecutor, and and, um, and uh, rescuer are characters and they can move about. You, you know, you can have different actors playing those cards. One actor can be multiple characters for different reasons. And that's the same thing in the um, toxic family, narcissistic family structure theory. One person can be multiple characters. You can be both the golden child and the um, golden child and the scapegoat. Okay. I, that was the reason why I just gave went down that 30-minute bubble, rabbit hole, just explain that you can... One one actor, different characters, one system. Since we were talking about person C and family systems theory, I want to tell you about what happened yesterday. Now, I was my desire was to tell you what happened earlier in the week when I was telling you, like I had this awareness around social and antisocial, because that is really that was on my brain when the event that happened yesterday. So something happened yesterday, and, and then as I was working my way through it, 
I was thinking about my reflections for across the week around the social and anti-social. So I wanted you to have that so you can better appreciate yesterday's event. But I'm going to go ahead and just try to tell it to you in reverse. Um, there's a lot of people out here. I guess it's a nice day. Usually when I come and talk to you all, it's still like winter or early spring and it's cold outside. But it's a lot of people out here. And now it's messing up my serenity. Um, so yesterday, there's another, a family member is in town. And now they made a plan to have another family event at the same place we were at last week for Memorial Day. And I sat on that a little bit because, you know, you know, after I did the reflection with you all called the Amoeba map, I felt a little convicted and conflicted. I want to tell you guys this. This is one of the things I wanted to tell you when I listened to it. I don't want to violate my family. And this is the struggle. Because healing work requires you for there to be some honesty. You can't heal if you're in denial about what happened. So that's one of the reasons why I talk it out. Now, I'm doing it it anonymously. So that kind of provides a buffer, right? I'm doing it anonymously. I don't... And even doing it anonymously, I try to obscure names and, and all of the situations and places and all that. But it still doesn't feel... You know, I don't like that. I don't want to harm my family, and I struggle with, see, if I don't tell the story and own my truth, then not the story is what Patrick said in the video when he talked about children coming up in chaotic, toxic family structures. Then the, your story is someone else's story. Your reality is the drama that someone else created. And in order to interrupt that, you've got to tell your own story. That's what I do in this project. It's one of the things I do. I don't I don't talk about family a lot. I talk about the jobs a lot, right? I don't like talking about family, but I do believe it is essential for my own growth, development, and having impact in the world. So I don't like it. I didn't like that. I didn't I as a matter of fact, I didn't finish listening to the Amoeba Map episode. I love the way it started. And then when I got into talking about those family care, I didn't like it. So I stopped listening to it. I, I could delete it, but I'm not. I'm very proud of some other episodes that were difficult and I didn't delete. And I believe that over time, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I have to be comfortable with my truth. Um... And it's, I can feel it. Like I can feel my, I can feel myself being choked up right now because I hold a deep value, a conviction for protection. I'm a protector. And how, you know, it's very difficult for me to, 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 to talk disparagingly about my family. I love my family. But this, isn't this ironic though? Just, let's just sit in here for a second. I feel guilty. For telling my story. Because my story. Casts a disparaging light. On my family. 
empathy to me. It's not that I'm feeling guilty because I'm making up a story. I'm not feeling guilty because I'm lying. I feel guilty because I'm telling a story, my story. So the only way to reconcile that guilt is one of two things. I then have to say to myself, I'm lying. I then have to say, be disparagingly about myself. Oh, you're lying. You're misrepresenting. You're being a drama queen. You know, I have to start doing that. I have to start discrediting myself. And I did an episode on gaslighting. And I did, I think the one that followed the gaslighting episode was was on Bell Hooks. And Bell Hooks, and, I, and go check out both of those episodes. Because that was in December. In the late Bell Hooks, because she passed away a year ago now. Which is so sad. But she said... We have a hard time confronting that we've been harmed in our families because it doesn't reconcile the love narrative. I love you. This person loves me, right? And if this person loves me, then I can't say what this person did. Because this, this, what they did doesn't align with the love narrative. So in order to reconcile that gap, I got to then beat myself up by saying, I'm delusional, I'm misrepresented, I'm a drama queen, or I'm this, or make excuses for the thing that that person did. It's very hard to say, that was a very hurtful thing you did. And I'm not even confronting the person anymore. I'm just telling my story in an anonymous way And I still felt guilt. I feel guilty. Okay. There's that. That was one thing I wanted to say. Okay. So let's get back. Like, like then I think, who gets on the damn podcast and tells this? I'm doing it. Because this is part of my healing work. This is part of me claiming my truth and sitting in my truth, even when it's difficult and it feels very uncomfortable. I I don't know what else to say. It feels very, very uncomfortable. Yet, I believe I have a right to do it. I, I don't, I not only believe I have a right to do it, I believe I have a mandate to do this for my healing. I've got to know my own truth. I've got to do what this guy Patrick said. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Woo! My work, my drama, y'all. I can feel these emotions bubbling up. My goodness gracious. There was a commercial when I was a young young adult and said, if you don't get help at Charter, please get help somewhere. <laughs> it's a joke. I treat it as a joke, but it's not, you know, because um, we keep, we keep, um, we keep, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why I'm laughing. I'm not going to, I'm going to turn my head. I'm not looking in this direction. But we keep, um, I'm distracted. Um, I'm going to go back to, I don't know what I was saying. Let's, I'm sorry. Um, if this man walks in front of me again, I'm just going to hit the pause button. <laughs> I think he's getting in his car. He's driving away. Um, okay, I've been paused for two minutes. I don't remember what I was saying. But I do know where I was trying to go. One place. And that is, so 
my family had another event yesterday and based on the amoeba map reflection of where I was at in that reflection I didn't really I didn't really feel compelled to go to that event as a matter of fact I'm like why are you gonna go why so why are you gonna go to that event it's going to make you feel a certain way. Then you're going to have to get on a podcast and process it. And then you're going to feel guilty because you processed it on a podcast. So don't go. Don't go. That's the mature thing to do. It was not an, it, it wasn't an easy thing. I was so proud of myself. I was like, just don't go. It was very hard. Because there's a family member that's from out of town. I don't get to see this individual. But once a year, if that, I love this person. I probably am not going to be able to see this person unless I go and spend time with the whole family because there's too many people for this individual to spend one-on-one time with. And so I was like, man, I don't want to miss seeing this individual. And with the person's health the way it is, we don't know how many how, how much time we have to be together as a whole family. And so... But I was like, for your health, mentally and emotionally, don't go. So I was proud. I was really, really proud of myself, y'all. Because that was really hard. And then. (laughs) My person called and said, did you get the did you get the notice that so and so is in town and we're cooking for so and so and I said I said yeah I got it I said yeah I said yeah I got it and then I I did a little lie and I don't I don't I don't I'm morally lying is not my jam but I have learned that there are sometimes that lies are helpful which is really hard for me to say because I I rarely lie like I probably can count on one hand when I've ever lied. Seriously, I think I've only lied three times in my life. And yesterday was one of them. And I said, I said, oh, I said, oh, is it today? I said, oh, is that today? (laughs) Because I was trying to get out and not going. And I couldn't say, oh, I knew it was today and I'm not going because I'm I'm trying to do (laughs) self-care. You know what I mean? Like that person's not going to care about that and I didn't know what to say so I was like oh is that today oh I didn't know I I saw that I wasn't sure what day it was so the individual was like yeah it is today and the individual didn't want to say I want you to be there which was good now it's not the individual from out of town this is the person that's not well this is the person that's dealing with the illness and so I was like, okay. I was strong. I was strong because that person didn't say, I want you there. So I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it. I said, I'm tired. I said, it's been a crazy week and I just need some time. I think I'm just going to rest. And hey, but if I get, if I'm rested, um, I'll come later. And so my person said, uh, I hope you guys are following me with all these people that I'm not mentioning, mentioning. And then my person said, well, I don't, I don't think that the person that's hosting the, whose house it is, I don't think they're going to want to have us around all day. We're going to probably get kicked out early. So 
kind of as to say, you don't have time to go take a nap. Because you're going to go take a nap, and then we're going to be kicked out. We're going to be gone. That was kind of, the, to me, the coded message. So I was like, well, let me see what I can do. I'm going to just, let me take a quick nap, and I'm, you know. And my goal, my plan was, and I, honestly, here's what my plan was. I'm going to take the nap, then I wake up, and if they're no longer at that person's house, we're at a different house, then there's going to be fewer people. And the, those characters in that drama setting won't be activated. And I'm good. I'll be better, at least. So that's fine. I'll come to you later. But I could never take the nap. Because I had so much happening yesterday. I was like, I'm a busy person. How does a person who's single and no kids on a weekend stay that busy? I, I just have been busy. I'm a busy person. So then I got hungry. <laughs> this is what this was my downfall because <laughs> I love food, y'all. Then I got hungry and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go fix something to eat. Then I was like, I don't really feel like cooking the food. Then I kept thinking, there's food at this house. There's food you don't have to prepare. All you gotta do is drive there, get the food. And my greediness, my lower function se, overrode that resolve to not go, and I went. And I was okay, but there were a few pain points that I want to say, and I'm going to come out of this. And I think I'm going to just end this reflection and then do another one instead of making this one ridiculously long. At least that's what I'm thinking. So I got there, and, you know, I'm going to just come in there. and, And I talked about this one other time, like, because, you know, Patrick, online, uh, I think he encourages people to leave that family system. Because he talked about in the video, he used um, The Office, the television show, The Office. That's one of my favorite shows. So I love that, that he used The Office to make this point about these um, characters, the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. And so he talked about the television sitcom, the, the U.S. version where you have Michael Scott, the boss, then you have Dwight, and then Jim, who uh, work underneath him. And there's this triangulation. Uh, what I say triangulation? I would say triangulation, but in a different way, other than how I normally use it. But anyway, so so Patrick, the guy in the, in the YouTube, the therapist, was saying that Michael Scott is like, I don't know, did he say Michael Scott is... Michael Scott is both the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. I don't even want to try to use this metaphor. But Dwight is the enabler to Michael Scott. He's kind of like the rescuer. I think he's saying Jim is the persecutor. I don't know. I really don't know. But whatever he said, whatever those characters are... Patrick says, Jim, who's not in the codependent relationship. See, Michael Scott and Dwight have a codependent drama relationship. And so while Jim is not in it, he's not in the codependent relationship. He's spending his time poking that, revealing how ridiculous Michael Scott and Dwight's relationship is. So what Patrick is saying, the guy who's doing the analysis, is like he wants his clients, he feels his clients 
he he's glad when his clients come to him like my like Jim, like they're not in the the codependent relationship. But he wants his clients to take a next step, like get out of it completely. Don't even go around it. Don't poke it. Don't analyze it. Don't judge it. Leave it. Leave it alone completely. That's so powerful. And that's so spot on in terms of where I feel like I need to be in where I am, where my growth point is at. Like, this is where I'm at in my journey. I'm like, I'm not playing those characters in my family. I can even leave the space. I'm good at that. I'm good at saying, okay, this is becoming harmful. I'm going to leave and take care of myself. But then I have to then come and process it. But if I got to process it, why go around it? Does, you, are you guys hearing me? This is I'm, I'm chastising myself. If going around that creates discomfort for me to have to process it, why the hell do I have to go there? Well, because I'm not at a place where I want to say I'm going to cut my family off. I don't want to, I have not wanted to do that. I don't want to do it. So I have resolved, I resolved, I said this in an episode, I think it was earlier this year where I said, hey, here's the result, here's how I've resolved it. I don't have to have a seat in, in your table of delusion. So you guys are doing some kind of delusion uh, and you're doing some, I don't have to have a seat at that table. So when I go there, when I go around my family, I'm not going to sit at the table. I'm just going to stand up. I want to spend a little time with y'all because I love you, but I'm not sitting, I'm not having a seat at that table. Makes sense, right? Sounds good. Until those characters come from the table and comes and stand next to me or pulls me into a conversation. And I, so I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, y'all. I, I, I will, my rational brain is telling me, my rational brain is telling me, you're going to have to leave that system. For real, for real. Completely. Or embrace it. Be, be used as, be used as one of the characters. Be used in the drama skit and be okay with it and stop complaining about it stop processing it like because both of those feel irrational it just feels very irrational for me to go to those family events and then have to come and process it that just feels irrational and I don't that doesn't feel good for me but likewise I'm not ready to say I'm cutting I'm not ready to not be in family with my family. That makes me really sad to think about. So I don't really know what the solution is. So I just want to tell you all that if you are screaming at the um, listening device, like questioning me, challenging me, like, why are you going? I'm with you. <laughs> I really, really am. And if you have any input, don't tweet this because that's public. But you you can private message me and say, hey, this is what I think you should do. I was in a similar situation. This is how I solved it. You know, if you want to share any advice like that, I will really take it because I don't know. I'm conflicted. But I will say this and I'll start wrapping this part up. Um, So I go. I go to the event to get some food. 
I'm going to see my family member that I don't get to see but once a year. I come in and I'm performing. I'm performing. I'm performing. I, I can feel myself in performance mode. I'm performing. I'm okay. I'm performing. Everything is normal. I'm performing. We're such a loving family. Oh, this is a great thing. I'm performing that. Because as an FI, I haven't used any typology yet, but as a tertiary FI, as an FI user, I can feel all of that. That is a deception. I can feel it. And now I'm, I have a consciousness that I'm performing. I've probably always performed. Nope, 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 nope. I've suffered in the past. I've suffered. I've complained. I've challenged. I've pushed. I've provoked. I've poked. And that's one of the reasons why. I'm the scapegoat now, probably. Because I probably was being the golden child when I was, uh, when I allowed them to use me to tell the story, to act out the story. Okay, I'm going to bring this full circle, I think. Because I said I'm a part of an extended family that's local, that's more nucle nucleus, <laughs> nuclear. It is nuclear more nucleus so but in my true family nucleus family i was definitely the scapegoat there's never been a question about that i've never been the golden child in that immediate core core family and because i was scapegoated i put myself in the extended family a little more than my sister did because my bigger family was my safety net. I needed safety more than my sister did. So I put myself in that outer family. And I was, I was for the most part safe there. But in that outer family is when I became the golden child. Because I was still. It was still. Oh my God. I was, it was still part of the family script. And so it's in recent years that I no longer play that part of the golden child that now I've become the scapegoat in the larger family. This is good. That's a good. I feel like I've had this breakthrough before, but for what I think I forgot it. So it's just good for this to be for me to remember. That's good. So anyway, I'm performing. We're OK. I'm OK. Everything is great. I'm like, I can perform this. I'm an educator. That's what we do when we get in that class from the kids. We do we we gotta perform to get them excited about learning. I could perform, okay. One of my um I don't want to give relationships. One of my family members, I talked to this I talked about this person in the amoeba amoeba map. Um just was very has been very distant. Has always been distant to me. I've been crazy about this person because we're 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 close as an age. We're not close in age. We're got a, there's like an eight eight and a half year difference. So we were kids at this. We were kids together, and I always wanted to be close to this person. This person never, never. This person kind of took to my sister. In recent years, I've told this person 
I wanted to be close to you. You broke my... And this person has gotten really violent, like angry with me. Called me a liar. Then said, um, then said, first said I was lying. That I never really wanted to spend time with this person because I had my friends. Well, and then said, then recently it was like, well, I wanted to be separate from you because I wanted to have my own thing. And all of that's fine. That's probably true. But just really angry. We've, I mean, it was just verbal. It was just ugly. So I know not to say, I can't, either I'm going to not bring that up because I got to protect my, that person does not like when I say, hey, you know, even when you're like, oh, that's just to me something that's so benign. Like, oh, I was growing up, I wanted to be, I wanted to spend more time with you, but I got kicked to the curb. I couldn't spend time with you. Can't say that. But if I don't say it, I didn't deny the fact that I grew up wanting to spend time with this person. Okay. So since my, since person A passed away, um, uh, it's just, I don't even now know what my relationship with these people were before person A passed away. It's all complicated. Anyway, I don't even know if you guys are still, why would you still listen to this? Um, but just has never really been like I, re- I I'm coming to realize that that person has probably never warmed up with me when we've been in a large social setting. Now I have really worked hard to develop a relationship with this person one on one, so I can call this individual. We can be on the phone for an hour, hour and a half, and it gives the impression that we are good. I'm like we're we're good now. I'm 52. You're 60. You'll be 61 and later in the year, year, but we're good. Cause we have, we get on the phone. We're fine. But I'm coming to terms that when we get in the larger family, nope, she's very distant to me. And I started really that amoeba map episode is when I realized it. Like, huh? So yesterday. She smart. She. I came in the, the kitchen. And I walked in the kitchen. I said, "Hey, hi, everybody." I sat down. She was to my right. Um, the other person um, to my left. That this person chose. Okay, the person I wanted to spend time with, even though we're eight and a half years apart, the person to the left was my friend when we were kids growing up. Because we we're only two years apart. I'm older than she. This family friend. But that person I wanted to be in relationship with became good friends with my friend. And then I got excluded. See, that's another part of the conversation. So, so I was too young for you to hang out with me. But then you became good friends with one of my good friends. Okay. I, I'm not staying there. But anyway, the good friend was there. She, so I, I hugged her because she's like a childhood friend for me. But she's good friends with this person. That's my family. Within five minutes of me being at that table, guess what happens? They they get up and leave to go outside. And then when they come back, they go to another room. They don't say, hey, you want to come and join us? When they went outside, they say, hey, you want to come? Nope. No, they didn't. Okay. That was hurtful. But I'm a big girl, right? Like, um, so what? They have a right to want to have their time together. So I didn't say anything. Then the other... 
um, family members. This, these are aunts. I'm not going to obscure that. The first person is the aunt. That's the baby aunt. Then the other aunt, whose house it was. Oh. She's doing dishes. And then when she's done doing dishes, there's an another aunt that's in-law aunt. She's an in-law aunt. Who's a little distant, by the way. Who wasn't always. We We had a really good connection. But when I started sharing with her my studies about family systems, family's trauma, family... I also now we're distant. I, I can feel the subtle shift, but that's a separate. This is different. So that I felt her shift, and that felt a little different. I I was like, well, are you being sensitive, right? So that's the thing I battle with myself. Like that fi is picking up on something, and then I'm like, but are you feeling it for real? And I just uh, whatever. I mean, is this real? You're feeling something, but is it real? Are you making it up? Whatever. So when my other aunt finished dishes she speaks to the aunt in-law aunt that I had a fairly close relationship that's now a little distant and says you want to come outside with me like literally talks over my no 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 no. she doesn't talk over my head she leans past me to talk to the in-law aunt and says you want to come outside and she says yeah and then to another friend of the family who was at the table she said to that person do you want to join us? <laughs> and that person was like, and never, never extends the invitation to me. Never. Now, I could have gone out there, y'all. The, the, the unaware, the unconscious me would have probably gone out there in the past. I didn't go. I just... I was like, huh. So, is that a coincidence? Maybe. Am I being sensitive? Okay. But I needed to tell that. I needed to tell that story, right? Because whether whether I'm being sensitive or not, it's something that I noticed and it felt exclusionary. No. Mm-mm. Sorry, somebody just pulled up and said, are you leaving? Because now there are no parking spots left. There must be some event happening. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. I should, though. But I don't want to. I want to look at the water. But now it's hard to see the water because of these cars. But anyway. And so I I was a big girl, though. So I got up, fixed me something to eat because that's what I came for, right? <laughs> that was my happy. Food was good. I had a little birthday. They, they had these, like, little cupcakes, birthday cake. And birthday cake is like, oh, my God, it's heaven. I had so much pleasure with that that cupcake. It was so good. And I was like, and you know, you guys know I'm trying to watch my weight. But I was like, I'm going to have another one because I just needed to feel good. Uh, but I told myself, come back to it. You're going to have another piece of cake. But what you're going to, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make myself wait. Wait 10 minutes. And guess what, y'all? I never went and had that other piece of cake. So I'm glad. But so I'm in, I went to the other room where the other people were. And I I didn't go to, to, to the, the two spaces where my two different aunts pulled, left me, you know, or left. Don't personalize it. They left. I went to another, I went to the living room where there were other family members. Sat on the floor. They were watching a movie. We were, you know, and I was fine. And we did a family prayer. 
because we've been doing this prayer thing because of this illness and we've all decided to pray at a particular time of the day and that time happened and then we prayed and guess who I see out the window walking towards the house person C person C and her daughter and person C is not does not like me person C every chance she gets to say I'm the bad guy to have conflict with me every time so last year um, two years ago actually it feels like last year but it wasn't two years ago we got into a big conflict I told you guys about it I did talk about it um you just go back it was July of 2021 I don't know what it was called but I know I talked about it because we got into a big physical altercation it never it never happened physically I already told you I come I have a fighting family that's how they that's how they cope and but she wanted to physically she physically walked up into my space you know intimidation and because I'm sick of this particular family member doing this and I've done nothing to her I stood up for myself now my sister runs interference and I don't like when my sister does this and I've talked to her about it because when she runs interference what she her interference is she tries to sit get me to play a more submissive role and I'm t- I told her like you cannot ask, expect me to be submissive when somebody is physically walking up to violate me to physically violate me you cannot expect me to play submissive and what she wants me to do is play submissive to diffuse the conflict that's what my sister wants me to do and I'm like I I can't do that don't ask me to do that for you and I've done that for her and I said it just it's not my nature and I'm not going to do that to make peace with you and unfortunately, we, my sister and I have had conflict because then my sister feels offended because she's like, I'm your sister and I should be able to be the one to get you to calm down. But I'm not the one to st- give me to calm down when I start the conflict. Play that part. When you see me starting the conflict, then, but that's not the case. I am in preparation to protect myself. But I believe that that my sister acting that way is a deployment, pushing her into character mode for the family script. And I said that's not acceptable. It, it's all gross. I'm thinking about about seven years ago, and my sister in because my mother decides to walk up on me with her hands in a fist like she she's gonna hit me like I'm gonna sit there and let you do I'm I don't know how you guys I don't know how to I don't know how to make myself neutral like mm -mm, I don't know how to make myself complicit in this story like like I don't know how to take some ownership in this story so I'm sitting down my mother gets up and she she's upset about a I'm, advice I'm giving my nieces. She doesn't like the advice I'm giving my nieces. It's a different type of advice than she would give. And which is fine. And then she gets up and, and her 
I don't know if she thinks she's my mom. She feels like she can still physically discipline me, but she gets up um to physically assault me. It's an assault. I don't care how what you I don't care what culture you come from, that's an assault. And I tell her, if you touch me, right, I'm I'm verbally telling you, if you touch me, this is going to this is how it's gonna go down. Because I'm sitting down and you walk up to me, hovering over me. My sister runs to run in, runs in to run interference. And she puts her hands on me while I'm already in prep mode to fight. Now, I don't hit my sister, but what I tell her in a very stern way, I said, take your hands off of me. You don't ever put your hands on somebody who's in a fight or flight mode. That's dangerous. I mean, I know that when I'm trying to help kids when they're fighting, right? That's not the time to touch them, okay? Because they're in protect mode. So my sister puts her hands on me. I know enough to not, So, I, but I say very sternly, take your hands off of me. Take your hands off of me right now. My sister didn't like that tone. And then she said, so what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to beat me up? That's, those were her exact words. Take your hands off of me right now. That's all I say to her. And my sister says, this is all bizarre. You guys, if you could just, this is why I'm forcing myself to tell this story. Because none of this is healthy. So my sister now, her feelings are hurt because I'm talking to her in this very stern word, word of tone. And she says, well, I know, I know you can kick my ass, right? Because I have the reputation of physically being able to take care of myself, right? I can physically handle myself. I, I know you haven't heard type eight orientation in all of this, but I am an eight, right? I'm just an eight in love with my family. Um, so my sister says, so what, so you're going to, you're going to kick my ass. I know you're going to kick my ass, but that's okay. I love you anyway. And I'm like, I'm not, all I'm telling you to do is take your hands off of me now. So we never fought because I wasn't going to fight my sister, but my sister's feelings were hurt. It was a mess. So my sister goes upstairs and she's crying and, and my nieces observed this. It was horrible. I never would want my nieces to observe any of that, especially with me being a part of it. To that story about seven years ago, I then go upstairs I thought, you know, and I, she's on, my sister's on the floor sobbing and everybody's trying to calm her down and she will not let anybody calm her down. And then I finally go upstairs and I get on the floor and I lay, I literally almost lay on top. I lay across her. I lay, I put the, up my upper body on top of her upper body and I hug her. And I said, you know, I'm trying to calm her down. And then I'm like, well, maybe she doesn't want me to touch her. So as I get up, she grabs me and pulls me back down. Oh my God, this one makes me want to cry. Because she was... That comp... She didn't want us to have that rupture for us. Anyway. It's just so... This a lot. It's just a lot. It's a lot, y'all. This is a lot. And I'm sorry that I'm on this podcast telling the story, but I'm... I'm I know because of my research I know that this is not just my family this is a real phenomenon okay which is why I've studied it to know this is not just my family this is real pain that has not been dealt with and it gets dealt with in a very unhealthy way it gets circulated
So, fast forward to two years ago when that very similar situation happened with this person C who then walks up on me. And this time, I don't have the, I don't have the reservation because that it's not my mom. This is another person. We're in, a, we're two years apart. We're about to go to blows. My sister jumps in again. You guys may wonder if I'm starting these fights, right? Because I'm the common denominator and I've had to process that. What allows, what has happened? What, 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 what is it that would allow multiple family members to think that they're going to start a fight with me? I have processed that very question. And I am very firm that in not, there are four stories that I've told you about that require that involve physical violence in all four of those situations i was not the aggressor physically now did i say something to antagonize a person to make them want to physically assault me that's possible but even in the later years i've learned to just keep my damn mouth shut i think it's something else i think it's something else that causes that anyway so we that person C and I did not come to a fight, but then that story of pain comes up from our childhood. So that's when she tells everybody, "I'm sick of her. I'm sick of her. She's always y'all always take her side and talking about me." And everybody, but this time everybody can see she was the aggressor. And then with her daughter, then her daughter became the aggressor. And so I have another. The INTPA I talked to you about last week, she said in two years ago, she said, <laughs> this is funny, I cannot believe I'm telling y'all this story. So the INTPA that I talked about last week, she said, this is, now I'm going back two years ago, when it was just person C and I, we were going to fight, INTP8 didn't say anything. But when person C8's daughter was getting ready to get in it, INTP8 said, nope, 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 no, I'm not going to let you do that. Because first of all, person C was wrong. Because she was talking about me, person B. She said, person B was just sitting on the, on the, on the porch, minding her own business. Person C approached her. That was the very first time that anybody had verbally affirmed the fact that I wasn't doing anything. She said, but you, <laughs> you, you're not going to jump in this. If they're going to fight, you're going to let them fight. You're not going to jump in that. I'm not going to let you do that. Now, person C's daughter is offended because they're close. The IT, P8 and the other, the C's daughter, they're close, right? So the I, <laughs> but she said, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. So now, now the story is going to the family that person C is wrong. And I, I'm grieving it. So the next day, everybody's talking about how wrong person C was. And this is what person C has been complaining about the whole time, right? Even though she was wrong. Nobody can see, nobody understands that that woman is really sitting on some pain that's not been resolved. But she's taking it out on me. Oh my gosh, when that happened, I started getting phone calls from people saying, like the elders in the family, like, you are special. You are this, don't do, that is all inappropriate. Now, was it appropriate for person C to try to fight me? No, it was not. But damn it. Person C is hurting. Anyway, I, the next day, go by Person C's house. Me, the mediator, I go to her house and say, hey, let's work this out once and for all. 
We have a two-hour conversation. And I'm trying to make a case. Listen, we, we are both victims in a family system. Let's not let them put pit us against each other. By thinking that situation is resolved, it wasn't. So I found out I was blocked. I've um, and I've, she's blocked me, and um, I had to take. I had to go by her mom's house to take my mom to her mom's house a few weeks, about a month, a few weeks ago. She goes off into her room. She doesn't want to talk to me. And I, normally I would have said, "Hey, come down, talk to me." I didn't. I pushed myself on her to be to make peace. You know, after that big fight, I was like, "I'm not doing. It. I'm done. I'm done." So when I saw her, going to yesterday, when I saw her coming up the road, up into the house, I said, I'm not getting ready to perform. I'm not getting ready to perform goodness. I'm not getting ready to perform love. And I'm not getting ready to have another conflict with this woman who is insistent upon making me the villain in her world. And I'm not the villain. I can't handle that. So I jump up, start putting my dog's leashes on. And everybody's like, where are you going? Why are you leaving? I said, now it's time to go. They're like, you just got here. Why are you leaving? And then I feel so bad because my the person that has been ill who wanted me to come, who eventually said, I really want you to come, she, she said, did I do something wrong? Are you leaving because I did something wrong? I said, no. I said, nope, you didn't do anything wrong. And that makes me feel bad that that person who's ill feels like I left because she did something wrong. I'm leaving because person C is coming in the house and I, first of all, I didn't I need to lose weight. I can't be fight. I just don't need, I don't, I don't, I don't live like that. I probably never lived as a fighter, but I had to fight to survive. I'm, there's no way in hell I'm going to be at peace with fighting at this point in my life. There's no way in hell I'm going to do that. So I have to be wise and responsible and get my ass up out of there. And I did. It was hard. It was hard to leave. It was hard. To, uh, but then I was, I left, I felt this dreadful emptiness like, what the hell? You didn't even need to go in the first place. This is like, so I'm chastising myself. I felt horrible. I felt horrible all night. I felt um, almost every negative thing that I could think about myself. I mean, I was feeling it. I was just feeling all kinds of just, it was just bad last night. I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't do any adult beverages. But I did beat my, I, uh, every, every, every ounce of optimism I tried to do was gone. So that's why this morning I had to listen to some content about family trauma because that helps me put things in perspective and it does nothing to tell you about the social antisocial part of me, but it does tell you about, it is a part of the social antisocial part of me. It is about that whole family system with these characters and these actors moving about. It is a very real thing, a family, a story, a script. Oh, and when that script is based on pain, characters are enacted to act out the pain in different ways. That is very real. And I have to decide this can't be, and I, I don't want to have to tell this story again. I am, I already know I'm going to feel horrible when I come back and listen to this reflection. I'm going to release it all the same because it is my story. So let's just say I made it up. Let's say I made it up. Let's say I'm delusional. Let's say, let's say anything you need to say. 
It's my story. It's mine. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna release it. But what I've got to do is I gotta use wisdom and accept that that family system doesn't want to do healing work. So what just came to me as I was just saying that that instead of me saying I'm gonna cut the family off altogether. Because one-on-one, I'm, I do fine. It's in the social space. It's the social piece. That's the culprit. And that's what I'm going to come back and do a part two on. Not necessarily my family. I'm gonna, I, I do not want to talk about my family again. But I'm going to talk about the social world and the social structure. And how socialization, um, how we are social animals. And what does it mean when people say they're like in the Enneagram, like you're social or when it's when they say you're antisocial, I want to come back and try to unpack that in, in, in a part two. All right. Um, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I feel bad. I feel bad that I had to tell that stupid ass story. I feel bad that I feel bad that I told it because did I have to tell it? I could have kept it to myself. I could have kept that story to myself, but I believe that other people have been in this story and probably other people have experienced this. And if my family finds this uh, project, and I'll just say to you that this is something that I've wanted to resolve. I've asked for us to do family therapy. I've asked us to do the work. And we don't want to do the work. And I think this closest that I've gotten is when they say I can be the one to do the facilitate the work, and which is an insane comment. Two people are like, "Well, you can be the one." I'm not a therapist, by the way. Number one, and number two, I'm a part of the system. So ha- asking me to do the f- therapeutic facilitation is still putting me on the outside. No, just no. And so. In our, if I'm talking to my family, if they ever find this project, we have some intergenerational trauma stuff that is not resolved, but we act out of it. It wasn't created by this generation. We inherited it, but we have exasperated it because we refuse to do the work. And... I am willing to be held accountable for the parts that I play. But what I'm not willing to do is to ignore it, to normalize it, or to numb out over it anymore. So, this is part of my healing work for me to do this in this podcast. So, alright, I'm now back to the to my, my, my podcast friends. I just had to say that just in case this episode, this project ever is um, gets in the hands of my family. I needed to do that. Okay. You guys, if this reflection, <laughs> oh my gosh, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If me talking about, um, family trauma, fam, um, uh, characters, of uh, trauma characters, um, unfortunately fighting again, um, pain, um, masking, projecting, I just even if just hearing my story, even though I didn't do a lot of the analysis, I did some analysis, but I was doing my storytelling. If any of this 
relates to a conversation you've had in the world. As difficult it is as it is, please take this link and share it. All right? This is healing work. This is healing work. This is healing work. This is healing work. And if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would still love to hear that. <laughs> you can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. On Twitter, yournidom1. Facebook and YouTube, yournidom. Let me give you an assignment. You guys, I have two minutes left and I have two things really are coming up for me. The one thing that I really want to say to you did not come up to come up first. What I want to ask you to do is think about who you are in the drama in a drama cycle. Are you the victim? Are you the persecutor? Are you the uh, rescuer? And I really didn't unpack those, so I can't really ask that question. But the question that came up for me for real, instinctively, I haven't talked about it either. But what came up for me as soon as I hit the pause button is shame. That's what I'm dealing with right now. I'm dealing with shame. So I need to go study that. That's the feeling that's on me. That's why I'm having the remorse. I'm feeling guilty. I feel embarrassed. I'm feeling shame. I need to study that concept. So I'm just going to ask you, when have you felt shame? What causes you to feel shame? What do you do when you feel shame? I may have talked about this before, but I'm asking you to consider it now. When have you felt shame? Why have you felt it? And what did you do about it? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back. Coming right back. Until I come back. Be well. Bye.